Good morning. How are we? Don't you love it when God has personally given you words of encouragement? Sitting in the service this morning, I was a little bit, oh, God, is this the message you have for your people? And all throughout communion and worship and Phil's exhortation there, he was dropping little seeds and words that was all through my message this morning. Right. So I'm like, yes, <laughs> that is awesome. It's pretty cool. I want to pick up on this morning on what Phil brought to us last week. He made us, he put up on the screen, we probably didn't see all of it, but the pain of love brings, brings the fruit of love. Such a profound statement, such a truth, and I wanted to carry on this morning on that. And if you haven't heard that message, I want you to make sure you get a hold of it, get onto the app, listen to the podcast, because it's real pivotal for where we are as a church family and as, as you as an individual. It's, it's an amazing message. I got so much out of it, and I know you will too. But I want to pick up on the fact that it's very hard to see the fruit of the blessing while you're in the midst of pain and suffering, isn't it? Anybody been there? Yeah. You're surrounded by a whole lot of, ugh. And we're supposed to see, God calls us to see fruit and blessing and his hand in it, and yet we're surrounded by just discomfort, pain and suffering. So I want to have a look at that this morning. How do we see the purpose in the pain? How do we see the fruit and the blessing that God's got for us in the midst of the storm that we find ourselves in? And I have a look at a few scriptures for that because I believe once you understand the purpose for the season, it's going to make it so much easier to walk through it. And when one comes upon you, you'll know that there is victory at the other end. So much easier to fight a battle if you already know you've got the victory, doesn't it? So much easier to wield your sword in every swing that you take, you know that it's going to hit the mark it's on purpose and sometimes God allows purpose and suffering in order to bring the fruit and so I want to have a look at this morning so if you've got your Bibles I want you to open up to Hebrews 5 verses 5 to 7 I'm just going to read out a few scriptures this morning just to give us a bit of a foundation for what God's got for us this morning so Hebrews 5 verse Hebrews chapter 5 verses 5 Oh no, we'll start at 7. We'll just start at 7. Hebrews 5 verse 7. During the days of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. Anybody been there? (laughs) Offering prayers. God, I'm in the midst of a storm. Because he's the one that can hear you and save you. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. Obedience. Jesus learned to be obedient through the things that he suffered. And Hebrews, if we go on a little bit to chapter 12, flick over a few pages in in verses 5 through to 8, it talks there how it actually starts off, and have you forgotten the word of encouragement that dresses you as son? As son. Although he was a son. You and I are sons and daughters of the king. Amen? You agree with that? Yeah. We'll read this as an encouragement. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when he rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines those he loves. Right? But endure hardship. God is treating you as sons, for what son is not disciplined by his father? If you are not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline... 
breathe, then you are, if you don't undergo discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Ouch. Verse 11 says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Amen. <laughs> but later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Ooh. Jesus learned obedience through suffering. We get trained through pain and through suffering. God brings correction and dis discipline through pain and suffering. The problem that we find with pain is that we associate pain with punishment. Point number one, we associate pain with punishment. You've got to understand this. God utilizes and allows pain and suffering. He does not bring it. That's a lie of the enemy. The enemy will tell you that you are being punished because of what you have done. And if we have a look at what Mal brought this morning, which is amazing in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, he said, For Christ also suffered once for sins. Righteous for him, or the righteous for the unrighteous. Jesus paid the price, paid your punishment for the sins that you have done, will do, are doing. The lie of the enemy will tell you that you are being punished because God's a big meanie in the sky and he's got acting on revenge. You remember that time you didn't uh, tithe on that blessing I gave you five years ago? Well, I've waited all this time. It's, it's, sometimes that's the mindset of, of how we think. We believe the lie that the enemy tells us the pain and the suffering is God's punishing you. But it's a lie. It is a lie. God doesn't bring punishment. God utilizes and allows the, the pain, the suffering, the trials in order to bring maturity. He is trying to produce something in you that will outlast you. That's why you call it growing pains. The pain of love will bring the fruit of love. We sang this morning that he is good. You are good all the time. All the time. Yeah. That was a bit average. He is good all the time and all the time. He yeah, he is good. Do you believe that this morning? Yeah. Do you believe that this morning? Yeah. 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 Some of you might not. Some of you might be listening to the lie of the enemy who wants to separate you from the love that the Father has for you and he's trying to get you to blame God for the circumstance that you're in. I want to lovingly tell you in truth because love without truth is just mean that you might be living in a lie because God is not a God who punishes. The punishment has been paid. The cost has been paid. In fact, God allows and utilizes pain and suffering. A verse for those who may be struggling 
because we get into a season where we blame God. We think God's punishing us. First Peter 5.10. It's a verse that he gave me for those who are looking at God and thinking, no, I don't know if I can really believe that you're good all the time. First Peter 5 verse 10, and it says, The God of all grace, he called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong and steadfast. God doesn't bring punishment. He allows the, the pain and the suffering to teach you and mold you, but he himself will restore you after a little while of suffering. First Peter 4, it talks in, in verse 12, it says, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. Don't be surprised. Here's the tough bit. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Remember that piece of scripture, 1 Peter 4 verse 13, but rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. You see, when, as, we, as Christians, we quite often fall into this Hollywood movie, this dream that we, uh, we get saved by God and everything's going to be all rainbows and butterflies. That we're going to skip along the gold streets and life is going to be really just a breeze now because we've got the God of the universe fighting for us. It's, a, it's a, like a, a Hollywood movie, that we, this reality that we tend to live in. And so when pain and suffering comes, we go like, what? What's going on? But in actual fact, if I was to depict your life as a movie, I would say it's more like the movie The Matrix. Who's seen that movie, The Matrix? Yeah? There's a real pivotal scene in there where Morpheus is talking to Neo. And he's offering him the red pill or the blue pill. Remember that? You know the scene? He says to them, he says to them this one profound statement. Morpheus says, I'm only offering you the truth. He can either take the red pill and stay in the reality that you're currently living in, or you can take the blue pill and see how far down the rabbit hole you go. God wants us to take the blue pool because he's got so much for us that the lie of the enemy is blocking so much. And so step by step, God allows pain and suffering as one of the tools. We start to walk more in his truth. We get to get a more revelation of the reality that he's got for us. Not the lie that we currently believe in and sitting in. Such a, I found that such a, a pivotal statement. God is offering you the truth. And the truth will set you free. Very good, you're doing well. So if God is good all the time, that means all the time means... Yeah, all the time means all the time, doesn't it? So when your prayers feel like they're not getting answered, God is good. When you get a report card from the, from the doctors and medicine can no longer help you, God is good. When your marriage is on the rocks, or probably under it, God is still good. When your bank balance is laughable, God is still good. I've been there. A lot of you know my story. 
been there when the cupboards are completely empty, the fridge is bare except for a tube of mustard. Line up, kids, there's your dinner. Sunday, your bank balances are completely empty, and I'm not talking about you've got a nest egg and savings, I'm talking 30 cents to your name completely, financially. You've got to go to church. You haven't got to go. You choose to go to church because that's where you believe God is asking you to be. You're on your way and the petrol light comes on. (sighs) But you go to where God calls you to go because you have faith, you have hope, you have belief. And when you're there, guess who turns up? God. How many people miss out on the blessing because they're not where they're supposed to be? God will send your provision before you, expecting you to go to be where you're expected to be. Now, times that we have been in the right place and God has shown up. And I'm scared to think of how many of the times that I isolated myself because of pain and suffering and I missed what God had for me. Pain and suffering can allow you to isolate yourself and think the situation and the environment is too hard and God is saying, nah, I've got something for you and it's waiting for you. Show up. Step out when it's tough. Step out when it's hard. When the voice, when Holy Spirit is speaking, you say, you need to be at that prayer meeting. You need to be in church. You need to be in the school of the Spirit. God's already sent something there for you, waiting for you to show up. Don't allow the pain and the suffering or the circumstances, the trials and the tribulations to stop you from going where God's calling for you to go because your answer is there. When we ask ourselves, but God, why pain? Couldn't you get my attention some other way? Wouldn't that be nice not to have pain and suffering? But I've realized to avoid pain and suffering is to avoid growth. My greatest seasons of my growth have come out of some of the toughest struggles that I have walked through, and I wouldn't change it for the world. So when you're in a season, you need to be able to stand strong and say, God is good. God is good. You also need to know that God is just. We don't often talk about the justice of God, but God is a righteous judge. God is righteous. Everything that he does is right. It is perfect. There is no eh, gray area. God is a just God. God is a righteous God. God will judge the deeds and the works of all men and women who have ever lived. God is just. Which means the things that we normally say in our lives are things like, oh, why me? I'm a good person. We have that ugly cry going, been there a number of times. And we're seeking God, why is this happening to me? I tithe, I go to church. Why can't it happen to him? <laughs> Let's be honest. He's a bad person. He doesn't sin. Oh, he does, he does sin. That's why he's a bad person. But why me? He's not a good person. But who are we to judge? Oh, that's what God said to me. But why not? He sins all the time. Well, the Bible says where sin abounds more, grace abounds even greater. Ooh, 
Man, you see, we are all children of God. And we read before in the scriptures that a father disciplines the son that he loves. God trains the children that he loves. As a loving father, as, parents, as a parent myself, sometimes our children take us down paths that we don't always find comfortable and easy. But I don't look at my kids and see the mess. I look at them and see the son and the daughter that are held at birth. I look at the son and the daughter that I learned or I saw take their first step. I see the ones that I taught how to ride a bike. I see the mess. And as a loving father, just like God, you extend every opportunity to bring them out of the trouble that they have found themselves in. Some of you have got kids who have had issues with alcohol and drugs and pornography and bad relationships. God is a just God, a loving Father who extends every opportunity to save you. Do not judge someone else for their sin, thinking that they deserve less than what we have got. I'll say it again because only three of you got it. Do not judge someone else is sin because you think they deserve less than what you got. You got Jesus. We are all children of God. God is trying to chase down the one. God is a just God. Be careful. There's a little warning. I haven't even got this in my notes. It just came to me. Be careful of the day when God stops talking to you about the sin that you're in. You see, we can allow sin to become our lifestyle, and if we're not prepared to let go of it, God will honor the free will. Say, well, I've been chasing you. You've got to stop it. I don't want you to go down there anymore. Leave it alone. Don't go there. Be mindful of the day when that voice goes quiet. Scary place to be. But God is just which means that anything that happens in your life, you cannot accuse God for it. God is righteous. God is just. If there is one man in the Bible that could have a case, it would be your boy Job. Who, who do you want to be in the Bible? Well, not Job. Nobody wants to be Job, do they? Oh, man had it tough. The Bible says, actually, let's go there first. Just go to Job, first Job. First Job, there's only one Job, thankfully, because no one wants to be like Job. So go to Job 1, because the Bible tells us that he was a man that was blameless and upright and feared God. He shunned evil. Job was a man that had incredible wealth. He had 10 kids. Poor man. <laughs> Say that as I'm a week away from my eighth. Yeah, be like Job. No. Still waiting for my camels to knock. He was a man who stayed in prayer. He was a man, the Bible says, who would constantly offer up offerings to God just in case his children cursed or sinned. He loved God. He was blameless. And then one day, oh, have we had a one day? Pick it up in verse 6. One day the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them. (laughs) That'll mess with some of your theology. 
The Lord said to Satan, where have you come from? And Satan answered the Lord from roaming through the earth and going back and forth on it. You know, he's just doing his thing, causing havoc as wherever he goes, trying to do his thing. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job? What? What's Job doing? He's minding his own business. He's down there doing everything. He's blameless. And God says, have you seen my servant Job? Oh. Have you ever been minding your own business and the enemy shows up? You've been doing something good. You've been, you've been walking forward. You've been having a great week. And then kapow. The enemy shows up on your doorstep. Have you considered my servant Job? Satan replies, yeah, but you've put a hedge of protection around him. Meaning, I've been trying to get him for ages, but I can't. Some of us think that the enemy can walk on up and do whatever he wants, whenever he feels like it, whenever he feels like it, and mess with your stuff and cause havoc in your life. But scripture says that he can't. He can't just show up whenever he feels like it. He needs permission from God first, or you. Sometimes we allow him in by our actions and our attitudes and our speech. Sometimes God says, if he's considered my servant, because he trusts you, because there is a purpose behind the pain, but there's also a product behind the pain. So the problem with pain is that we associate it with punishment. But the product behind the pain is glory. God is trying to produce something in you that will outlast you. Turn to 2 Corinthians 4 verse 17. I'm going to read this one from the New King James Version because I'm loving the New King James at the moment. It's good. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 17. We need to realize that Satan and the enemy can't do just whatever he wants. He's got a boss. All authority is under Jesus Christ. But God will allow pain and suffering in order to come and be a teacher. I've lost a whole page. Right, 2 Corinthians 4 verse 17. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and external weight of glory. Our light affliction is but for a while. Once you realize that you can handle the season that you're in, you realize that you had more strength than what you did when you first started off with. There is a weight that comes upon it, and that weight is glory. We need more weighty Christians. We need more Christians with substance that aren't going to get blown back and forth by the wind. You don't want to be a light in the spirit. You don't want to be a, a diet, dieting Christian because as soon as the enemy cups, comes up, you get blown off. We want Christians with weight. 
Weight comes from training. So we call it weight training. Like that. You start off with your 10 kgs. And after a few, while, a few weeks, you're up to your 15. Because you realize there's a strength in you that wasn't there in the beginning. But the training and the, the process and the discipline allows you to go further. So when a 10 kg or a 10 level little enemy comes at it, you go, that is nothing. I'm up here. You, can't, you can mess with my stuff. But you can't mess with my joy. The scripture in 1 Peter 4.13, when I talked about the partaking and the suffering of Jesus, actually translate that we feel pain together. The root word for that is thumbasco, which is where we get the word sympathy from. This is... So suffering is not just about feeling pain, but it's about feeling pain so that you can sympathize with others. I'll reread you that scripture in scripture in First Peter four. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. That phrase is what I just talked about there. That it talks about that we feel pain together when you participate in His suffering. That's feeling pain together. Sambasco. And sympathize. Job's friends, when they heard about him and his trials and stuff that he went to in Job uh, 2, it talks about his three, three friends. They heard about all his troubles in verse 11 that had come upon him. They set out from their homes and met together by agreement to go and sympathize with him and comfort him. When they saw him from a distance, they could hardly recognize him. They began to weep aloud, and they tore their robes and sprinkled dust on their heads. Then they sat on the ground with him for seven days and seven nights. No one said a word to him because they saw how great his suffering was. Job's friends needed to feel his pain. They needed to sit down in silence and see his suffering in order to be able to come some sort of sympathy. Please be very careful when you're working with people that are hurting. Please don't go up to them and say, look, I, I understand what you're going through. You've lost everything. If you have never lost everything... We've got to feel pain together and sympathize with other people. I understand that your motive is good. But sometimes people need not to hear a sermon, they need to see one. They need to see you not say anything and just sit by them, feel their pain. Not from a place of, well, at least you're not dead. You'd be amazed at the dumb things some people say in order to try and pull people out of their pain and suffering. But we need weighty Christians who can go alongside them and say, look, I know what you're going through. I've been there. I know what it's like when the cupboards are bare and there's no food on the table and there's no money in the account and you've got no petrol. But let me tell you about Jesus because he pulled me out of it and I know he's got the same for you. That's sympathy. That's what God is calling us to be. 
It's not just about feeling pain, but it's feeling pain so that you can sympathize with others. The great thing about going through a trial and tribulation and, and a journey with pain and suffering is that it increases your platform for ministry. The things that I have endured, I could not pull alongside someone who was going through something unless I'd been there and able to sympathize and say, look, this is where God's brought me. The trials that you go through as a teaching lesson to grow maturity, to bring glory in God, but also to increase your platform to show God's glory to the, those that, who are hurting, to say, look, God's got it. I know because I've been there. Pain is your professor. Suffering is your teacher. We learn obedience through it. I have found that as I've gone through trials and tribulations, I know the lesson is over because the pain's gone. There are also lessons that are still painful, which means I've still got stuff to learn. It's not about punishment. Because you know what's crazy to a world is that when everything is falling apart, when life seems hectic and people are looking from the outside and thinking, how are you surviving? What is going on? And you stand there and say, it's okay. God is good. good. And that's glory. God is producing a greater weight of glory in you. He's increasing your platform to minister, to go out to disciple those that are hurting, those that are lost through sympathy. The product that God is producing is glory. So we know that the problem with pain is that we associate it with punishment rather, rather than it being one of the tools that God uses to bring discipline, to bring uh, growth, to mature us, to produce fruit, because the pain of love brings the fruit of love. We know that the product behind the pain is glory. God is working to produce glory in your lives. And the third thing I want to look at this morning is thirdly that there is power behind your pain. Everything that Jesus went through, And his death was necessary. Every whip, every lash, every beating, every mock was essential for the salvations of the souls of mankind. God does not waste pain. God does not waste pain. So if something is going on in your life, you have to understand that it's happening in order to produce glory. It is happening in order to grow you, to mature you, to produce fruit. When you can trust God in the middle of a pain, in the middle of your suffering, when you have the ability to say that, yeah, that's fine, God is good, that's powerful. Matthew 28 says all authority was given to Jesus. And he learned obedience through his suffering. He received power. For every single one of us that is going through a season, all will go through a season. So don't be surprised when a season comes at you. Remember, A, God doesn't bring it. He allows it in order to produce maturity, to produce fruit, in order that you can also, when the pain of the lesson is passed, you can pull along someone and say, hey, I know what it's like. I've been there. For every single one of you that is going through a season, you will have a power 
at the end of it that you did not have at the beginning. That is his promise. Remember what we talked about in, was it 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10? After you have suffered a little while, well, God himself will restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. That is power. That is God's promise. The purpose behind the pain is that it brings glory in your life. It brings power in your life in order to be used by God to minister to the broken and to the hurting. Yes, it's painful in the midst of a storm, but if you can understand the purpose of it, realizing it's not God punishing you, he's not angry at you, he hasn't abandoned you, he hasn't forgotten you, he is trusting you in the season to be able to stand through it and say, yeah, God is good. You can take my stuff. God allowed the enemy to take Job's stuff, but don't touch Job. Pain and suffering can come to your world around you, but God's protecting you as a loving father. In the midst of your storm, the power is to be able to say, God is good all the time. All the time, he is, God is good. Gee, you guys are winning. God is good. God is just. God is righteous. The problem with the pain is we equate it to punishment when in fact God is producing in something, something in you that will outlast you. A far greater weight of glory. So there is the problem with the pain, there is the product with the pain, and then there's the power of the pain. So once you get past the problem of pain, allow God to produce the glory so that you can have the power, that dunamis power, which means dynamite, that explosive power of the living God in you. So when all is falling apart, we can say, God is good. Because the pain of love will bring the fruit of love. It's what God is doing in amongst your trials and tribulations. Not a punishment. It's not beating you with a big stick. That is a lie that the enemy wants you to believe. I want to pray for you this morning. I want to pray for those who are living in a reality that has them looking at God and their circumstances and saying, why have you done this to me? I'm angry at you. I blame you. God's going, no, no. I didn't bring it. I may have allowed it, but I trust you in it. I'm growing you. I'm adding an extra weight to you. So I want to pray for you this morning. So everybody can stand. We'll do this together. We can all pray. You can repeat after me. You can say in your head. But God, this is just coming to me now. Um, because there is a purpose behind your pain and your suffering. It's for his glory. It's for your growth and your development. So if this is us, if this is you, let's, you can repeat after me. Father God, we renounce the lie of the enemy that you are to blame for the pain and the suffering that I have endured or am enduring. God, I want to announce that you have all authority. 
God, I want to affirm that you are my God. And then I can trust you in the midst of a storm. I declare right here and right now that you are a good, good father. You are a good, good God. And you are producing something in me that is far greater than me. A weight of glory that is for your purpose. We give you praise and we give you glory in the midst of a storm. And we thank you and we honor you in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Awesome.